What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined on the other side by David Lake. Maybe we introed this with some intro music. I'm not sure yet. Um, <laughs> still dealing with some technical difficulties. We are in week two of that process, uh, but we are back to talk Miami Duke which happened on Saturday night. Going to get into a little recruiting on the tail end after that. David, how are you doing on this uh, Monday morning? Doing well, man. That was a fun game. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much you got to watch of it, uh, but man, that's, that's exactly what you wanted to see against Duke. Uh, I hope there's people out there that aren't taking the opinion of, oh, that's what you're supposed to do against Duke. Uh, no, I think when you when you beat the beat a team, a power five team that soundly, it matters. And, and so, you know, Miami went out and handled business and they definitely deserve full credit for that. Yeah. 48-0 victory. Uh, I'll be honest. I did not watch the game live. I was at a wedding, um, you know, try to fall a little bit on my phone, but I did rewatch on, on Sunday morning and man, um, impressive performance like we discussed and have always brought up how this team comes out flat off of bye weeks and that was not the case at all I guess what was like your one big takeaway besides you know stepping on their their throats essentially (laughs) and uh you know what what were you like all right I I didn't think this was going to happen and it did I mean yeah I mean they just played so clean right I mean outside of like the first couple drives on offense where, where things kind of sputtered with the fumble from, from Jalen Knighton. And then, you know, the kind of fumbled handoff situation between King and Knighton on the second drive after that, you know, really Miami just played an extremely clean game, very few penalties. Uh, The turnovers were were awesome to see. Uh, The offense was, was able to run the ball, which I think was a very, very good sign moving forward. Um, and then, you know, you were able to get some young guys in the game that, that continued to, to, uh, deliver the stomping. So just a clean game, uh, you know, the defensive line really, I think kind of just set the tone, right. They, they came out and decided they were going to dominate that game. Uh, Miami was shorthanded some at the linebacker level and you could tell the defensive line kind of put, you know, wanted to put the game on themselves and, and dominate the game and, you know, really first defensive series, uh, Jalen Phillips has a couple beautiful pass rushes, ends that drive. Then it was Quincy Roche on the next drive. You know, they just kind of tag teamed it the whole game. Duke had no answers for them up front. And then the offense started getting getting rolling and it was game over. Um, three straight road wins for Miami. I didn't really kind of realize mm-hmm. that until I was piecing together um, – something for the North Carolina game. Like that's, is that not talked about enough? I know it's 2020, there's limited crowds, but that's also kind of been the Achilles heel for this yeah. program in recent years, going on the road, handling business and, and doing that. No, it definitely matters. I mean, you know, we, we keep talking about how it appears the culture is changing at Miami this year. Um, and there, there's multiple reasons for that. You know, Manny Diaz, I think is doing a better job of setting the culture this year compared to last year, having De'Ara King at quarterback, 
helps Miami set the, the right type of culture they want week to week to week in terms of preparation and, and taking each opponent seriously uh, week after week after week. I think the defense with, with their uh, tenacity and, and willingness to play hard on every snap matters. I think that is a reflection of the players believing in the culture, in the coaching staff. Uh, and so, yeah, all that leads to winning games. You know, Miami had to fight uh, in the fourth quarter to win against NC State and Virginia Tech. And, you know, those two teams are higher caliber teams than Duke, right? And so when you carry that type of effort, that type of fight into a game against Duke and you don't sleepwalk your way through it, you're going to dominate a team like Duke. So again, we'll see how it all looks at the end of the year, but there are extremely encouraging signs that the culture is starting to get to a place uh, that Miami fans should be proud of with this team. And, and, you know, I've touched on this multiple times that matters at the college level, big time. I forgot, man, Duke only a, a two score loss to Notre Dame at the beginning of the season. I mean, uh, on the road, they lost 27 to 13 to, to Notre Dame. I think a lot of people forget about that. So it hasn't been good as of late for them, but this, there's still some talent on that blue devils roster. Correct. I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, the edge rushers, uh, we touched on it beforehand. They're, they're, they're going to play in the NFL. Um, you know, I, I think the offense, the running backs are good running backs. Um, Miami did a good job of shutting them down, even, you know, shorthanded at linebacker, like, like I said earlier. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I do think at this stage of the season in, in 2020, there are teams that are, and again, this speaks to culture, right? There are teams that are over it, uh, maybe not feeling it at this stage of the season. And there are teams that still have something to play for. And Duke, I think, is one of the teams that might be over it. And I think Miami obviously feels like there's something to play for. They're coming out playing hard, just as hard as they did in week one, week two, week three of the season as they are now. Um, again, that speaks to the culture. We're seeing this play out all over the country. There's teams losing games that shouldn't be losing. And, you know, playing football in 2020 is hard in terms of what is being asked of these players with all the protocols. But it, it really hasn't affected Miami at all. They kind of embraced the challenge. And, you know, in a, in a weird way, it's like they feed off it. Um, you know, it just looks like they're out there having a ton of fun, particularly on the, on the defensive side of the ball. Well, let's, let's stick on that defensive side of the ball. Are you still ready to fire Blake Baker like everyone else? <laughs> was I ever on that boat? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that was like the hot thing. And then, you know, he goes out and holds Duke to under 200 yards and yeah, zero I mean, points. Look, again, I, I understand the, the complaints, right? But, you know, we got to understand what defensive college football is all about right now. And really, it's about points, bottom line, points. So Miami allowed zero points. That's a big deal. Uh, you're not going to see many shutouts ever throughout a season, you know, especially at the Power 5 level in college football. So uh, that's a big-time deal. Um, and, and, you know, Blake deserves credit, too, for, for changing some things. They gave some new wrinkles to Duke on third down, you know, with their third down package. Uh, they moved Jalen Phillips inside some, and that gave Duke some issues early on in particular. 
Um, so yeah, and, and look, I think the bottom line too, at the college level, you can tell like the eye test tells you whether or not a team believes in the coaching staff that it's playing for uh, with how hard they're playing. And there's no denying this, this defense plays extremely hard. And to me, that shows like they believe in what Blake Baker's doing. They believe in what Manny Diaz is doing above Blake Baker on the defensive side. So um, yeah, I mean, look, are there still issues? I'm not here pounding the table, acting like this is a top 10 defense. Uh, but I do think, and if you look at the, the numbers, the analytics, this defense is close to a top 20 defense now. And so I think it's hard to argue with that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, Blake Baker, definitely. We, we've, we've picked apart some issues maybe that, that have surfaced during the course of the season. But overall, I think Blake Baker's done a good job this year. And this Duke game uh, kind of amplifies that, that opinion in my, in, you know, where I'm coming from. So we can get into, I mean, I don't really want to, you know, much of what happened with the starters. I think a big storyline is the fact that Miami essentially was able to not clear the bench, but get a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of young guys into the game. And think about it. I mean, Miami got no spring football, right? Um, They didn't get any cup. There was never a Savannah State game or a Bethune-Cookman at the beginning of the season. So the fact that they were able to um, get a bunch of twos and threes in the game, I think is extremely valuable, David. And I know you wrote about it. These guys flash. Again, I didn't, you know, I wasn't watching the game, tuned in, taking notes. I I just watched a a quick replay. Um, Who flashed there? Like what young guys got you you amped up? Well, I think the the first one to – identify as the one that played the most the most snaps of the freshman class in the game and that's linebacker Corey Flagg he just looked you know looked like a veteran out there uh he did a good job taking angles the correct pursuit angles to the ball um he he finished the game I believe with five or six tackles which is impressive when when you only play about 38 snaps um in my opinion I think the future and maybe it's the present. We'll see how things look over these next few games. But I think the future at middle linebacker looks pretty bright with, with Corey Flagg there. Um, can, I, can I stop you right there? Yeah. I, I text you that we're going to have to eat crow on him, right? Yeah. I mean, look, yes, I, I did not. And I feel like we've already expressed this, honestly, in an earlier podcast. He is better than we both expected, right? And yeah. when we're wrong, we'll admit it. Like, um, I, I think we were just viewing him from a pure uh, height, weight, speed perspective, which don't does forget, matter. And don't, for, don't forget he had the knee injury too. Yes. So those things do matter, right? But, but there is a trait that Corey Flagg always possessed. Um, and, and maybe we should start valuing this more when just looking at middle linebacker. And, and that's just the guy has a nose for the ball, right? He just finds yeah. a way to get tackles. He has those instincts and maybe that trait supersedes everything else, you know, at the college level when you're talking about middle linebackers. So, yeah, I mean, Corey Flagg to me, he's definitely going to be the starting linebacker, middle linebacker next year. Um, the other guy, you know, Don Chaney played the most snaps of the freshman at running back um, on offense. And, you know, I think we saw him flash his speed 
over and over, whether it was a pass catcher or as a runner. That was extremely encouraging to see. Um, and then the obvious one, too, I think to highlight, you know, at the key position of need in terms of young players and, and recruiting, I think is Marcus Clark, uh, who, who got nine defensive snaps in the fourth quarter. Uh, and he made a very nice interception, showed very nice ball skills. He also did a good job of getting off blocks, uh, you know, making tackles in space in the short, quick passing game that Duke was trying to rely on. So uh, I feel, and honestly, too, uh, Isaiah Dunson played pretty well, too. He played 28 snaps um, in the game. So I don't know, man. I, I feel kind of good about the young corner talent. Uh, again, recruiting needs to improve there. I'm not arguing that. Um, and, and we'll get into this later in the podcast, but I kind of, uh, I'm kind of of the opinion right now, like I would be okay if Miami passed on a high school corner this cycle and just decided to take a transfer um, instead of a high school corner and just devoted more bodies, more time to high school corners in the 2022 class, because uh, I kind of feel good about where things are at that position in terms of young players with Clark and Dunson. Hmm. What about Elijah Roberts running down the field on a kickoff? Uh, Freaky. For a fumble. Freaky play, right? So he's going to be a defensive tackle. He's kind of a tweener right now between a bigger defensive end and a defensive tackle. But yeah, he was on kickoff team, forced a fumble, uh on the tackle of of kick coverage uh that's freaky stuff like i don't know how else to say it <laughs> extremely <laughs> athletic um and and you know tyreek austin cave to me flashed some speed too he's he's still like clearly figuring things out in terms of how he fits in the scheme and whatnot but when he decided to open up and, and show his speed it was impressive and then keontre smith too i think you know, in the, in the late third slash fourth quarter, he was just all over the field. Uh, I know he's not a true freshman, but younger guy getting in the game, showing what he could do. I was extremely impressed by the way he was running sideline to sideline and tackling in that game. And I wrote this too after the game, Andrew. De the defensive performance in general, pro football focus graded them out as missing only one tackle as a defense. Um, against Duke, which is, I've never seen that before. Like the lowest I've ever seen is like four tackles, five tackles. And usually that happens against like group of five teams or the FCS opponent, but Miami missed only one tackle against Duke, uh, who is a power five team and Miami played 25 defensive players. So their, their young players came in uh, and balled out too. I don't know, man. I mean, things are looking extreme. It's not there yet where you can definitely say, yeah, the ball's going to keep rolling to 2021. No problems. Like there, there are holes to fill still for the 2021, but if they fill those holes for 2021, I think 2022, uh, you know, we're, we're going to start to see things kind of rolling downhill for this program. I'm extreme. Like Keyshawn Washington, who I wasn't, you know, I'll admit too, like I wasn't extremely high on him uh, in last year's recruiting class either. He came downhill and made a nice little tackle in space uh, when he was on the field too. So all these guys are flashing. 
all these guys are making plays and uh, you know, it is encouraging. Um, would you like, I, I, I want to get back to Elijah Roberts, him being on kickoff. Do you think that was a product of the 15 guys? Not. Yeah. Okay. But that's still kind of freaky. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the total product of the bodies, you know, I had heard leading up to that game, like, and Manny said this too on the radio, like guys literally were getting cleared Thursday, Friday, like, and, and guys hadn't been practicing. So, uh, you know, they, they were going with a, a different group on, on kickoff coverage and, um, you know, Elijah Roberts was part of that group. And the fact that they even thought he could do it to me, I mean, that just speaks a lot about his athleticism. Now he's probably still, you know, a year or two away from really contributing on the defense, but just the talent to do that. It's, it's freaky stuff. I, a question that had arose in my head, uh, Tyler Van Dyke was once again on the unavailability report, correct? He was, yes. Is he just a product of being in the wrong place with contract tracing or what? Like this is the fourth or fifth game, correct? That's how I read into it. Yeah. So, you know, who know, I don't know what, you know, other than a select few, and I'm not going to discuss them. Like, I don't know who specifically has COVID and who is contact tracing. Right. It could be a mix of both with Tyler, to be honest. Right. So yeah. who knows? But yeah, it's, it's, it's all unlucky with him. Right. And I'm just bringing it up because Nikosi Perry did get into the game. And then my guy, Peyton Matocha, got some snaps as yeah. well very late. Uh, just want to know your thoughts on, on Peyton. He looked, I mean, he looked pretty fast, right? Um, I don't think they let him attempt a pass. I don't remember him. No, he I, didn't attempt a pass. Right. Uh, so. I wish we could have seen that, but you know, I get it at the end of the game. You just want to get off the field and you don't really want to run it up on Duke uh, from a sportsmanship standpoint. Um, but yeah, I mean, he move, he does move well. That's pretty obvious. Like he, he can run a little bit. Um, and, and then, you know, Nikosi, it was a nice little, uh, nice little play design with the rock step type thing that they do um, on, on his completion that went for 56 yards. So uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, there was, there was definitely, it, it wasn't like a clean performance from Nikosi, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I've maintained like, look, Nikosi is a very good backup. And if you got to go to a game where he's the starter for a game or two, that's a fine position to be in. And look, I think Nikosi, there's no denying he has matured during his time at Miami. He deserves credit for that. He deserves credit for sticking around and he's going to graduate from Miami this semester. Um, so I do want to see Nikosi Perry do well. Do I think, you know, he is going to be the starter at Miami next year. I don't think that's the best situation for Nikosi or for Miami, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, what we saw against Duke, let's be honest, like kind of reinforce that. Right. So yeah. Um, he's going to get an opportunity somewhere and, and hopefully it's the right fit for him and he can make the most of that opportunity. Yeah. Okay. Um, before we take a break, get into recruiting real quickly, 
Uh, Miami going to face North Carolina this upcoming Saturday. We know Miami can't make the ACC title game, but this is a meeting of two ranked teams. Uh, little revenge spot for the Hurricanes. Initial betting line from William Hill Sportsbook. Hurricanes, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. That game's going to kick off 3.30 um, from Hard Rock Stadium. Just, David, your initial thoughts on this game. Uh, yeah. It, I, from what I've seen of the players on social media, like I think they are treating this as if it's one of the biggest games of the season. Um, yes. And, and we've known that for, you know, honestly, since the summer, right? Like right. They've, they've had this game circled, you know, whether it's the original schedule or this new, you know, whatever iteration of this new <laughs> schedule is now. Um, but yes, it is, a, you know, essentially like a pseudo ACC championship game for Miami, right? They are definitely taking it seriously. I'll admit, um, before the Duke game, I kind of thought North Carolina, like I would have picked North Carolina to win the game, right? And I don't know what to make of it now after that Duke game because, and here's the reason, like Miami right now, is an extremely confident team. And I think that matters at the college level. Um, you know, when you think back to the 2017 season and Miami beat Notre Dame, uh, you know, in my opinion, like in a vacuum, Notre Dame was the better team. But on that day uh, or going into that week, for whatever reason, Miami was the most confident team in the country. And they came out, played hard, played fast at Hard Rock Stadium and won that game. Now, I'm not saying Miami's going to blow out North Carolina like that, but I do think there is something to the momentum Miami has right now. And, you know, I think you could, like, if, you, if you're just quickly uh, looking at the teams on paper, right? Like, North Carolina has the most elite unit in this game with their offense. North Carolina's offense is unreal. But I think if you want to say which team is the most well-rounded, Miami is the more well-rounded team with offense, defense, and special teams. Um, so will that matter? Uh, we'll see on Saturday. I think the big thing Miami needs to do is, like Jalen Phillips, Quincy Roche, they dominated Duke. If they play with that type of presence against North Carolina, I do like Miami's chances you know, with winning the game. Okay, let's take a quick break. Coming up on the other side, going to get into um, some recruiting, early signing period right around the corner. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, David, we are back. Um, 
recruiting is here. Uh, it is wild as always, as in the middle yeah. of this podcast, I'm doing a decommitment story on some other kid for another, another region I'm assigned. Uh, but it's, it's nonstop now. Me and you were trading texts on Sunday and you, you mentioned it on the, on the first part of this podcast. You think Miami should save some of these remaining counters uh, for transfers. Yeah. And I, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, I've been kind, kind of hinting at this, um, but I, I think we're going to see maybe Miami add one or two more high school guys to what they have committed now and then save some spots for some veterans. And I, I, I guess – go through what you think they should do at corner again, and then I'll give you my take. So my, so we're op, like on the front end, we should just say like, we're operating that they have four spots left. Right. right? So there's 20, there's 20 kids committed right now. Um, 20 kids committed. So, f- and this includes transfers, four spots, yeah. including transfers. Right. So right. my take right now is, and look, I am a J like, it's pretty clear that things are shaping up from a high school cornerback uh, perspective. It's, you know, Miami is chasing Jaden McBurrows, who is a St. Thomas Aquinas three-star player currently committed to Michigan. He's kind of like a, a pit bull type of corner, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, aggressive, feisty, Trajan bandy type of dude, right? Um, good player. I like, I like Jaden McBurrows. I don't have any issues with him, you know, if Miami does, if he does end up in Miami's class. Uh, again, I mentioned you know, with what Marcus Clark showed, with what Isaiah Dunson showed against Duke, I kind of feel okay about, you know, what I see there. And so I think in general, Miami should take more of a win now approach with closing out these final four spots. Um, I think they got to win now. They got to continue this momentum in 2021. And I, and so to me, that means either, you know, look, if, if a top you, you lead these final four spots to either top 100 level recruits. So who would that be? That would be Jake Garcia, Terrence Lewis, uh, Mason Smith, you know, those long shot types, you know, Jake Garcia is a, a legit option, but I think the other two right now we'll see. Um, so leave those spots for those type of guys or transfers. So, you know, depending on what Derek King does, right? Uh, if, if he leaves, I think they should also go after a transfer quarterback. Um, and, and then tra- I, I would not personally, I would not sign Jaden McBurrows. I would leave that spot for a transfer corner because again, I think Miami needs to be in win now mode. Um, and, and, you know, I think too, Jalen Phillips is going to leave early for the NFL draft. I think it's hard to deny right now that the guy is most likely going to be a first round pick. I think he's got a chance to be a top 15, top 10 put pick. If he continues on this trajectory over the next two or three games. Um, so I think Miami's going to need a transfer defensive end as well. Yeah. Um, so t- spots are getting tight. And again, <laughs> there are holes still in this 2021 roster. If you project forward, there are holes, immediate holes that need to be filled. And so I think they need to uh, fill those holes with transfers rather than taking, you know, and again, I don't have issues with Jaden McBurrows. I think he's a good player. My issue is like just so few spots remaining and they kind of need some win now guys. Okay. So I'm going to go on a little, little rant on, on the numbers situation. Uh, no, I, I, I agree with you. 
I think Miami and the, the tone with the people I talk with has kind of changed really over the past couple of weeks, um, just about how they're going to use those final counters. Uh, you, you mentioned Jalen Phillips. I think I said it on, uh, on the last podcast. And then what did he do against Duke, especially in those first few drives? I mean, he looked like the real deal. I, I would think he is probably leaning towards the NFL and he should go do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, like go get, go get your money, man. And it's going to be a great story. Just kind of, I think he was tweeting about it, you know, about how, I mean, he essentially retired from football. Um, right. and, and so uh, do that. So you're right. Now that leaves, I think, a big void in Miami's defensive line room. You know, there's a ton of talented guys. Yeah. Um, some four stars in there, like Jafari Harvey, um, Cam Williams, uh, Chance. Chance, Chance Williams. Like, those are all talented guys, but they are not veteran, veteran, experienced guys. And I think it would make sense for Miami to go and look for one of those guys. And Miami has honestly done very good yeah. – um, getting the cream of the crop. It's not like they're going to go bring in someone who's not going to, you know, push for playing time. I mean, look, they got Quincy Roche last cycle. Uh, they got Jalen Phillips. Like they're going to find uh, Trayvon Hill. They're going to find a dude. Uh, so I think that's why they need a veteran. And that ties into the whole thing with Patrick Payton, Patrick Payton, a, a six, five defensive end out of Miami Northwestern. He decommitted from uh, Nebraska on Saturday. A lot of Miami fans think you got to find space for this guy. And, and I agree, he's good, but I've been saying this, you know, he's very similar to Jabari Ishmael, who's already committed to Miami. Um, and I just think it's hard to take three high school defensive ends when you also got Thomas Davis uh, committed. So I, I, I put in a crystal ball for Patrick Payton to Florida state. You know, I don't think the door is completely closed on Miami. Something could happen here in the next few days uh, and Miami could certainly make a move. So I, I think one of those counters will for sure be used on a defensive end and some people are saying, well, can't you just count that kid forward? Yes, you can. Uh, but you can't, if you count someone forward, you can't get them in for spring ball. And I think in the, the ideal situation, Miami wants to get a guy in for mid-year. I think that also applies to a corner or a quarterback, depending on what um, Derek King does. So, you know, another one of those will probably be on a counter and that leaves you with two more. I, I think they'll go high school corner and a quarterback likely Jake Garcia. Um, that's just how I see the numbers shaking out. I, I, I'm all for taking uh, Jaden McBurrows. You know, you mentioned he's like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, he's closer to 5'10". Um, okay. And, he, you know, he's got 11.01 speed, six interceptions last season for STA, uh, has some picks this season. I think if you have the opportunity to take a South Florida corner yeah. uh, that makes plays, go ahead and do it. I mean, I know I get what you're saying. We, 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 Marcus Clark and Isaiah Dunson look good, but – I still think you need at least one high school corner. You're always going to be kind of catching up with the numbers situation, if that makes sense. Yes. And again, I like Jaden McBurrows. Like I, I am not, I've mentioned this to you, but like, I'm not one of these, Oh, corners need to be six foot type of guys at the college level. I get it for the NFL, but at college, I just want dudes that could cover um, because I don't think the quarterback play is you know good enough to take advantage of that you know three four inch difference between a a six foot corner and a five nine corner um so yeah i mean look if they do end up taking Jaden mcburrows i'm not against it at all it's just like okay let me let me pin you down this way right let's assume jalen phillips leaves 
and let's assume Derek King leaves, right? So Miami has four counters. What would be the best way to fill those counters in your opinion? So you said Derek King leaves, Jalen Phillips leaves, right? Right. Oh man, I would, this is what I would do. I would go Jake Garcia, grad transfer quarterback, right. uh, grad transfer defensive end. And then I guess you, you got to take a grad transfer corner. Although, you know, I think you could go high school corner and, you know, I don't think it's the end of the world if you took uh, a mid-year corner. I mean, D. Delaney, uh, a few si- a few years back, he he wasn't in right. there in the spring. So, I think corner is a little bit different, maybe than some of these other positions. I mean, you still got to learn the scheme. Um, that's just kind of how I feel. But I, I see what you're saying. I agree. Like, and and to me, that's maybe that's the. Uh, so I agree. Those two spots would be Jake Garcia, a grad transfer quarterback. And then the third spot would be a grad transfer defensive end. And the, those are so they can be there in the spring, right? Right. So then the debate is, is it important for Miami to take a grad transfer corner that is in the spring? Or can they take a high school corner and then end up with a grad transfer corner? Like, you know, Jared Williams, the right tackle, right? He didn't arrive at Miami until the late summer. So by doing that, he doesn't, he counts towards this, this cycle. He doesn't count towards the last cycle. So does that matter to me? That's, that's the big debate, but I agree. Like, and it, I'm just trying to show how the spots are tight and kind of what Miami's trying to juggle right now. Yeah. Um, Rishasa stay one of the other cornerback targets for Miami Demarius McGee. I think we discussed him on the previous podcast. I mean, if you guys read inside the U.com someone that we mentioned and bring up a lot. Um, I, I put in a crystal ball over the weekend for LSU. Seems like that's the direction it's trending. You know, initially mm-hmm. I had heard he was going to wait until February uh, to make a decision. Now he's going to announce on CBS HQ on December 16th, which is the first day of the early signing period. And like I said, all, all signs are kind of pointing to LSU. I mean, who knows what happens? LSU just got rocked by, um, Florida, or excuse me, they got rocked by Alabama. They got Florida this weekend. So maybe that could alter some things, but probably not likely. And, that, and that's kind of why I'm more on board with, uh, with the McBurrows. If you can, if you can pull off that flip um, other names in play right now, it seems like Mason Smith is the one we frequently get questions about the five-star defensive lineman out of Louisiana. I think Miami's chances there are slim. What yeah. about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, w- I would not. So I would not bank on him and I would not bank on Terrence Lewis. Right. right but, yeah. but look, if those guys say they want to come, I mean, <laughs> again, the numbers are tight and crazy, but like you got to take them and you just got to figure out gymnast, you know, you got to do numbers, gymnastics, you know, during the summer months, if you want to take on some grad transfers. So um, it'll be interesting. I, I, again, I wouldn't assume those guys are coming, uh, but if they do, Miami can't turn them down. Yeah. Um, and then you, you mentioned the 2022 cornerback class. Uh, you yeah. Know, I, do you have some guys you like in that group? I mean, I can give my well, take. Or, or I, I just was wondering the thought process behind that. Well, like, okay, you've seen them much more than I have. Like, I'm just watching Huddle for now. Like, you know, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting out and seeing more guys. <laughs> Hopefully, 
Right. So, but the Shamanad has a couple, right? Um, Nelson, do I have the names right? I'm Sha- sorry. The, the two at Shamanad? Yeah. They have a couple that intrigue me. I forget their names. Brian Dilworth um, and Ryan Turner. Turner. Okay. So they intrigue me. And then American Heritage has a couple that intrigue me too. Um, Earl Little Jr. Correct. And, and then Jac- the athlete. Jacoby Spells. Yeah. Jacoby Spells to me, you know, he is not talked about right now as, as a big time recruit. I think give it four or five months, he's going to be viewed as a, uh, as a big timer. I mean, American Heritage obviously has uh, churned out some very good defensive backs in recent years with Pat Sertain being there. And Jacoby Spells is a kid who they took from receiver and said, hey, start, start playing corner. And he's gotten really good, um, good athletic measurements. So there's going to be two at American Heritage that Miami are going to try to get, Earl Little Jr. Uh, and then I, I would guess Jacoby Spells is going to move up some people's boards. And do you like the Chaminade guys? Because Chaminade's been good to Miami uh, yeah. recently. Dilworth to me is, is intriguing. Like they're they're interesting guys. I'm not I'm not all in on either one yet. Uh, mm-hmm. Dilworth is committed to Auburn. He's actually like a really good volleyball player as well, which is kind of like a weird two, huh. two sport thing. Uh, he's he's got some ups. He was he was solid early on in the season. I haven't seen Chaminade in a while. We'll probably see him in the state title games uh, next week. And then Ryan Turner. I remember I saw him and I'm like, who is this kid? And he had no offers at the time. Uh, he, he's a little on the smaller side, might be more of, right. a, of a safety. But yes, those, those are some guys. That, look, man, guys are always going to emerge. Uh, I just don't know how deep of a year it's going to be for corners specifically in the, in the um, Miami-Dade, Broward County areas. It seems like it's just been a, a down few cycles. Yeah, this cycle, definitely that was the case, right? Um, so yeah, no one really in Dade off the top of your head that, that sticks out at this time. No, it's still early, man. I, I was, I was on the message board last night trying to answer someone's question. There was no one that I, I was like, all right, this is the guy. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but again, I, I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record. It's early. And you know what you, you think one thing about a position group and then guys all of a sudden grow or develop and, and all that. What do you think of the next Mullen? And does Miami have any chance there? Oh, yeah. He, he's one to mention as well. Travell Mullen. So that's Taiwan Mullen's brother. Trayvon Mullen's brother. Taiwan's at Indiana. Trayvon, what is he with the Oakland Raiders now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Miami, I, I think he was at a Paradise Camp a while back. Seems like Florida is an early school he likes, but who knows um, how interested the Gators are in him. But yes, he's, he's a track kid, super long, just like his brothers and, and you got to love that bloodline. So, yeah, I mean, you know, and then 2022, we, we talked about defensive ends, right? So that's absolutely loaded in South Florida. When you're talking about whether or not to take Pat Payton, I think you got to weigh that out too. Um, yeah. Local defensive ends. I know, but you're, you're kind of always the one that says, uh, sure. You know, it's easy to look ahead, but get what you can now. Right. Yes, I agree. And look, I'm a, I am a big Pat Payton fan. Like I, I would find a way to take him, but you know, I, I get it at the same time. And, and, you know, honestly too, um, I would be the competitor that doesn't let him go to Florida state. I would be that guy if I was Miami, but you know, it is what it is. Numbers are tight. 
Okay, David, what do you got coming up on, on the site? Obviously, well, I guess it's, I'm going up to uh, Montgomery, Alabama. I'm, I'm covering the uh, cool. Alabama-Mississippi State All-Star Game for the um, network. No Miami commits participating in this one, or even targets. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll that'll be fun. I'll, I'll uh, you know, we're gonna it's North Carolina week, so I think it's a it's a very interesting game, and there's gonna be plenty to dive into, break down leading up to that game. Uh, it's really, in my opinion, it's a big game for for the future of this program. Uh, you know, if if Miami's for real, uh, they win this game. They find a way to win this game. So so we'll see how it all plays out. And uh, you know, thanks again for listening. Check out insidetheu.com. If you enjoy this podcast, give us a five-star review on, on whatever platform you use to listen to us and, and take care, guys. We'll talk to you guys later.